Hate speech is commonly defined as abusive or threatening speech or writing that expresses prejudice against a particular group, especially on the basis of race, religion, or sexual orientation. The definition does not preclude hate speech being directed at fringe minorities or small groups of persons with unacceptable views. Most adults hate pedophiles who most consider to be mentally and morally ill and deserving of being incarcerated for life once convicted. In what way is this different from hating the so-called freedom convoy whom some consider racists, misogynists, and persons not deserving of toleration? Is it hate to say white people need to lower their expectations and their plans for their children? Two brothers go for the same job. They have a black mother and white father. They are asked which race they identify with. One says he is white, the other says he is black, the black brother gets the job though both are equally qualified. The choice is based solely on a legally mandated way of evaluating different groups of persons. No matter which side of these issues you might be on, the reaction is grounded in emotion. Regardless of how you react to the examples above, the reaction is due to a subjective impression. There is no objective standard, no quantifiable validation, no empirical validation possible when dealing with hate. Hate is a cultural reaction, not a natural one. Hate speech requires an emotive being, not a rational one. This means the victim's physiology and endocrine system serves as the judiciary in the case, not their cerebellum. Hate speech does not exist outside of the human ego. It is not the words that are hateful, it is the trauma they evoke. The trauma is what is hated, not the speech. At most we have trauma-inducing speech. But whose trauma do we validate by statute? Whose trauma is celebrated because it is seen as just deserts? How concerned are we of the vitriol heaped upon a rapist or even an alleged rapist? Think of Justice Kavanaugh. His crime was that he belonged to an unprotected group and was therefore fair game. But it is virtually impossible to talk about hate speech because people find the discussion traumatizing. Some words cannot be said. Some thoughts cannot be articulated. Say the wrong thing and someone 20 years from now might read the article and have a negative emotional response to it. It matters not if the comment was made as a child and was an isolated incidence. There is zero tolerance for some kinds of hate that targets certain groups of people. In Canada, our definition of hate speech is dependent on the level of intolerance of the other person. The law states it this way, Section 319, one publicly inciting hatred, makes it an offense to communicate statements in a public place which incite hatred against an identifiable group, where it is likely to lead to a breach of the peace. To incite hatred means to do that which incites hatred. The crucial and deciding event is the intolerance of the target. We have no idea what leads to hatred of a group until we see the trauma experienced by the target. The UN Strategy and Plan of Action on Hate Speech defines hate speech as any kind of communication in speech, writing or behavior, 
that attacks or uses pejorative or discriminatory language with reference to a person or a group on the basis of who they are, in other words, based on their religion, ethnicity, nationality, race, color, descent, gender, or other identity factor. United Nations According to the UN's understanding, any group with an identity, such as Nazi, labeled with a defamatory pejorative, such as fascist, is a victim of hate speech. To call a minor attracted person a pedophile might cause you to get fired if you work at the UN. But can we call Christians homophobes or refer to those on the far right as xenophobes? Or is the trauma-inducing metric only linked to the emotions of the left? If hate speech is speech that traumatizes the left, then hate speech laws are discriminatory and ultimately a form of hate. This conclusion is predicated on discrimination being the prejudicial treatment of a group based on them possessing a category difference. It is obvious that the major divisive factor is not race, age, or sex, but political affiliation. The greatest discriminatory language and source of hate speech is differences in political affiliation. To not be discriminatory, hate speech laws would have to apply to both sides of the political division equally. But this equality would eliminate the validity of the hate speech designation. If liberals cannot talk to a conservative using any other language than what a conservative can use when speaking to liberals, the hate speech category has been eliminated as a legal issue. Hate speech laws are by the definition of legal hate speech, hate speech. Hate speech laws are discriminatory in their intent and impact and imbalance. If I can be called racist, xenophobic, extremist, as well as other pejoratives all meant to defame, demean and denigrate myself and my affiliations, the law is agenda-driven not blind. Racist language has and conveys extreme negative connotations, whether the words one uses are deemed racist or the person is labeled racist. The same hate is being attached to the person as to the words. Racist and xenophobe and other terms are words of hate meant to traumatize and cause division between the victim of the accusation and his or her accuser. One cannot be called a racist and xenophobe without the defamation implicitly inciting violence. If racist is a pejorative and racism hated, then calling someone a racist is using hate speech. The Prime Minister of Canada identified a small, fringe group whom he hates and is intent on destroying. The group is, he says, angry, doesn't believe in science, and is racist and probably misogynist. To paraphrase him, this group is a small fringe minority of people who hold unacceptable views, they do not represent the views of Canadians. They are extremists who don't believe in science. The group is often misogynists, also often racist. It's a small group that muscles in, and we have to make a choice in terms of leaders, in terms of the country. Do we tolerate these people? A few people shouting and waving swastikas does not define who Canadians are. Trudeau does not believe the group represents Canadians and are thus cultural aliens. The language Trudeau uses is divisive at best. 
At worst, it is hate speech. It is not parliamentary language, nor is it the language of a leader. If a group is identified and targeted in a way that makes a breach of the peace likely, it is hate speech as per the legal definition. Publicly inciting hatred makes it an offense to communicate statements in a public place, which incite hatred against an identifiable group where it is likely to lead to a breach of the peace. If saying there is no place in Canada for illegal migrants is hate speech, why is it not hate speech to tell protesters to go home and to call the convoy occupiers as if they had no right to be in Canada? If migrants are to be welcomed with hot meals, accommodation, and the necessities of life, why is it not beholden on the citizens of Ottawa to extend the same welcome to the convoy? Instead of a welcome as visitors ought to be welcomed, the truckers were told they were not welcome, that they were a noisy nuisance. Truckers were accused of racism, misogyny, Nazism, mischief, and criminal acts that were never proved in court. Why are truckers that park legally on the streets of Ottawa an invasion, but illegal migrants crossing the border into Canada, irregular visitors given every courtesy and benefit? The language used in relation to migrants and the truckers' convoy says all that needs to be said about who is hated and who is doing the hating. But what has to be recognized, the hate is not in the speech, it is in the political agenda.